Shalom, everyone. Welcome again to another blessed, beloved, holy Shabbat. And we, for you that tuned in last night as we were celebrating the Day of Atonement, we was richly blessed by what the pastor gave us. If you was unable to attend, the video is up on YouTube and it will be up in the podcast within about another week or so if you want to check it out there. But I encourage you to listen learned quite a few things. Again, we want to give all praises to the Most High, Yahuwah and His Son, Yahusha, because without them, we would not be here. And because it wasn't for His Son died for us and atoned for our sins, we won't have a chance at the eternal life. I'm Boyce Washington, and on the other side of me is the Pastor Richard Washington. If during this podcast you have any questions or comments while it's live, or even after after you're watching it later after the live stream, uh, you can email us at scienceofthecovenant at gmail.com. Now, if you are if you are watching live and you're watching on YouTube, feel free also to message us in the live chat you can send a message send your question in the live chat and we all will also will try to get your question or comment on air live if not we would try to get to it on the next podcast we want to remind you also the feast of tabernacles is coming up our fall feast october the 12th and 19th we will be celebrating again october the 12th and 19th we will be celebrating it at 1 p.m and at 6 p.m. on both days, again, October the 19th, Feast and Tabernacles at 1 p.m. and 6 p.m. Be sure to mark your calendars and tune in. If you know, the pastor has started a series, and we are on part three of The Destiny of Disobedience. I feel it's going to answer a lot of questions to why African Americans, Black Americans, descendants of slaves, whatever you want to call it, why we're going through what we're going through here in America and also different parts of the world. So I suggest you continue to tune in. It's going to be a good series. So I will turn it over to the pastor. So pastor. Oh. All, right. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, the glass uh, discourse that we had was uh, part two. And we stopped with the kingdom of uh, Saul and how Saul was rejected because of his rebellion against the covenant and uh, going against the Torah that they had to select another king. So we want to kind of just go back a little bit and uh, rehash some of the things that we said, and then uh, we'll move on as we continue uh, down what we call the destiny of disobedience. So let us pray. Eternal Father, we thank you, Lord, for the purification, O Heavenly Father, that thou hast given us through the Day of Atonement, that we can rest surely upon your promises, that when you say you forgive and forget, O Heavenly Father, that we can leave all of the past behind and lose, move forward in the future knowing that we have been clean. And as we allow the power of the Holy Spirit to continue to nurture our life and lead us in the path that you have laid out, that we may be the children that you would have us to be. Now, Father, as we continue in this study, the destiny of disobedience, that the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, may continue to guide us, tutor us in your word, Lord, that we may be students of yours, that we may be able to understand and to be able to articulate to others the things that you have given through your covenant promise in the Torah that your children, O oh, Father, can live up to. 
that when thou dost come, that your blood through your son would not be, have been in vain, but he will have purified our lives and given us the spirit in such a way that we can walk in obedience to the things, Lord, that you have given us. So bless my host, bless each person who listens, bless him who speaks, and most of all, bless us in our relationship with thee. In Yeshua's name, we do ask it, and for his dear sake, we do pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Amen. Okay, we want to turn to First um, Samuel chapter 16, and in First Samuel chapter 16, it reads, and Yahuwah said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil and go, and I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. So we see that uh, Saul was being rejected by Elohim because of his rebellion against doing what Elohim had told him to do. And as a result, Sammy was mourning, and Elohim said, no mourn for him because uh, I have selected another king to be over Israel. Now, before, before the reign of Saul was over, Yahuwah selected David, the son of Jesse, a Bethlehemite, to be king over Israel. And David from the tribe of Judah succeeded Saul to the kingship. Now we read in uh, First Chronicles, in First Chronicles, we read in chapter 28, First Chronicles chapter 28 tells us that uh, in verse number four, it says, how be it poor Elohim of Israel choose, chose me before all the house of my father to be king over Israel forever. For he has chosen Judah to be the ruler and of the house of Judah, the house of my father. And among the sons of my father, he liked me to make me king over all Israel. So here we see that he has selected another king, which is David. Now, while David was now while David in reigning over Israel did make some blunders by having an affair with Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah the Hittite, because she was found to be having a child by him, he had Joab to have Uriah slain in battle. Now we read in Second Samuel that is. If we go to Second Samuel, and in the Second Samuel, we have in the eleventh verse. It talks about this particular ordeal that David had with uh, Bathsheba. Okay, and here we read in the eleventh chapter, in verse. Number three is the one we want to focus on. Here the Bible says in Second Samuel eleven three, and David sent messengers and took her, and she came in unto him, and he lay with her, for she was purified 
from her uncleanness, and she returned unto her house. Now, when we read in the same chapter 11, verses 15 through 17, it tells us, and he wrote in the letter saying, set Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle and retire from him that he may be smitten and die. And it came to pass that when Joab observed the city, that he assigned Uriah unto a place where he knew that valiant men were. And the men of the city went out and fought with Joab, and there fell some of the people of the servants of David, and Uriah the Hittite died also. Moreover, David uh, not only engaged in that, but the Bible tells us that da uh, David did something else. And we turn into Second Samuel 24. Second Samuel 24.1. So here we read in the first verse of Second Samuel 24, it says, it said, and again, the anger of Yahuwah was kindled against Israel, and he moved David against them to say, go number Israel and Judah. So here we see from this particular verse that Yahuwah's anger was against David because he went and he numbered Israel. Now, in both these instances, David recognized his transgression and repentance, and he sought Yah. So he had Uriah killed. He had an affair with uh, Uriah's wife, gave, and she was pregnant, and he tried to uh, get rid of it. Uh, his, his shame by having Uriah to go to sleep with his wife, but Uriah didn't go and sleep with his wife after he had come home. So David put a letter in Uriah's hand, and he gave it to Joab. Joab read it, and he followed it out. And again, we see that Joab was involved in uh, Israel being numbered, but the fact is Joab told David that he shouldn't number Israel, but David did it anyway and the anger of Elohim was down upon him. Now, when we turn into uh, 1 Samuel chapter 12, uh, I believe that's 2 Samuel, that is. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, uh, we want to look at verse 13. Now, here, here it says, And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against Yah. And Nathan said unto David, Yahuwah also has put away thy sin, thou shalt not die. So in other words, after he had had that affair, uh, he was uh, reprimanded by Yahuwah. But Elohim told him that, okay, you did do that, but you will not die. I mean, he was wrong, but Elohim had given him forgiveness uh, for that particular act. And then we turn again back to the 24th chapter of 1 Samuel. And then we want to look at verse number 10. Uh, 1 Samuel 24, 10. And here we are told, 
in this particular passage that uh, and David's heart smote him after he had numbered the people and David said unto Yehoah I have sinned greatly in that I have in what I have in that I have done and now I beseech beseech thee O Yahuwah take away the iniquity of thy servant for I have done very foolishly so in both instances with Uriah and numbering Israel uh, David repented of what he had done so what we see here is that David was uh, making some blunders, but unlike Saul, he was able to go to Yehoah and ask for forgiveness. Now, let's notice some of the poetry or some of the psalms that he had written after he had sinned, because a lot of people say, well, if David did it, I could do it too. Well, that's interesting that if you do something similar like David, you feel you could do it. But what a lot of people feel, they can indulge in the sins that David indulged in. But apparently, they don't want to indulge in the repentance that he went through after doing that. So it is one thing to do the act that he did, but it's another thing to imitate his life when he went into a life of, of repentance. So when we look at Psalms 32 and verses 1 and 2, it says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven and whose sin is covered. And that's what we, when we talk about the sin covered, let's call my Kip, Kipperine or uh, Kipper. It's like on the day of Yom Kipper or the day of atonement. In other words, uh, when he talks about his sin being covered on the day of atonement that we just came out of, it means that your sins are covered and our sins was covered by the blood of Yeshua. So David is saying, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven and whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom Yehoah imputed not iniquity and in whose spirit there is no guile. So David was pleading uh, to Yehoah uh, that his sins and transgression may be done away with. So when we look at that, and then when we turn to Psalms, uh, the 51st division, uh, we see some other things about uh, David that he did, uh, especially in the case of Uriah, the Hittite's wife, Bathsheba. And so we read in Psalms 51st, or Psalms 51, and verses 1 down through 5. Now this is what David is saying after he had committed that vile act in having an affair with Bathsheba and also having uh, Uriah the Hittite killed by Joab, putting him in that, in that battle that he shouldn't have been in. And he says here, Have mercy upon me, O Elohim, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. 
that thou mayest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest, because, behold, I was shaped in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. So David is pleading because of the nature of what she was, and he is act, he is asking for mercy, and he lays his mercy upon the loving kindness of Elohim according to the multitude of his tender mercies. He said, blot out my transgressions. He said, Lord, if you are merciful, then take away my transgression. Then wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. So he is pleading here, and he is acknowledging uh, that which he did. And so as he does that, even in John 1.9, we don't have to turn there. It says that uh, he confesses. He said, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So David is here pleading that, uh, Lord, even when I was born, I was born in a sinful world, and my nature is inclined toward sin, which all of our natures are. But this does that mean that we have to yield because our natures are sinful. We still have a choice. So David is saying, uh, behold, I was shaped in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. And so he's recognizing the human limitations of flesh, but at the same time, he's taking responsibility for what he did. So we have a, a responsibility and accountability that even though we are sinful creatures, we still know right and wrong, and we can still be able to govern the sinful flesh. But he's pleading that because he did not do that, that Elohim would forgive him. And then we go down to verse 7 of Psalms, the 51st division. Verse 7 says, he said, purge me with hyssop. Now, if you know anything about hyssop, hyssop is a plant. Sometimes even if you have a cold or some kind of sickness, you can get hyssop because hyssop is a type of uh, plant that can be made out of a tea and you can drink it. It can, it, can help, it can help cleanse you. So David is saying, purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I sh shall be whiter than snow. Verse 8 says, make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face, hide, hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O Elohim, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit or thy Ruach HaKadosh from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. So he is pleading here for the cleansing. He is pleading that Elohim would give him back the joy that he lost from doing this terrible uh, ordeal. So what we see here, even though uh, David uh, sinned, he was make, making it known that he was still uh, seeking to do Elohim's will. Now, while both Saul and David did some things to bring Yah's wrath upon upon them, yet they uh, responded 
to Yah in different ways. Now, when Saul responded, it was different from, from, from the way David. Saul continued his rebellion, whereas David sought Yah through repentance of the evil course he had taken and through a broken and a contrite broken uh, uh, through a contrite and a broken spirit and a broken heart, he sought Elohim. Now notice what he says in verse 17 of uh, Psalms 51:17. He said, "The sacrifices of Elohim are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O Elohim, thou would not despise." So when we have a broken spirit and a contrite heart, he said, Elohim won't, won't, won't despise that because he sees the anguish that we are in and that we are sorry for what we did. And so he, he is pleading to him to be able to give him back that which he has lost So because the grief was so overwhelming. Through Saul's rebellious nature and envious personality, it caused him to outright reject Yah and his will. The house of Saul was given over to the house of David. Had Saul not been disobedient, even Yeshua would have come through his family line. Because of David's obedience, Yeshua would now establish his kingdom through the family of the sweet psalmist of Israel. The day the Davidic kingdom of which our Messiah would align himself with will eventually be an eternal kingdom outlasting any earthly empire which has been upon this earth. David's faithfulness in contrast to Saul's unfaithfulness gained the favor of the king of kings in the heavenly courts of glory. When David's son Solomon mounted the throne of Israel, he exemplified faithful obedience and a childlike humility. However, after Elohim helped him to establish his kingdom, he pursued a course in opposition to the Torah of Yah, and which he had given to Moses for Israel's kings. Now, what we find is that a history of these kings that he had allowed to be on the throne, they went against the Torah, okay? Because the Torah was that which instructed Elohim's people, uh, especially his kings, in how to rule and how to govern their empire. So now that David was gone, uh, Solomon was selected to be the king over Israel. And Israel was to be uh, the leading nation in, 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 in the world, okay? So what we're going to look at is how Elohim wanted his kings to govern uh, Israel. So we want to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 17. In the book of Deuteronomy, uh, we want to look at chapter 17, and we want to look at... Uh, a few verses in the 17th chapter of Deuteronomy. Okay, that's Deuteronomy chapter 6, uh, 17, and we'll look at verses 16 and 17. 
Okay, now in 16, in Deuteronomy chapter 17 reads, but he shall not multiply horses to himself nor cause the people to return to Egypt to the end that he should multiply horses for as much as Yahuwah had said unto you, ye shall henceforth return no more that way. And verse 17 says, neither shall ye multiply wives to himself that his heart turn not away, neither shall he greatly multiply to himself silver and gold. Now, uh, what we are experiencing here is that according to the Torah, it was teaching Elohim's kings how to govern themselves. So when we look at uh, what was taking place with uh, Solomon, then what we are seeing is that Solomon went against what the Torah was giving. So when Elohim gave Moses uh, the Torah, it was for Israel's kings. Israel's kings was not only to mul- were not to multiply horses, but they were not, uh, nor was uh, Israel or his kings to return back to Egypt. So the Lord told uh, his kings they were not to multiply horses, nor were they to go back to Egypt. Now, neither were they to multiply wives to themselves. This is, that is, if they did, he says that they would turn their heart away away from him, nor shall he greatly multiply to himself silver and gold. So all of these things that uh, he had instructed his kings to do, we find that Solomon was in violation of all these stipulations of the Torah, and Solomon gathered to himself chariots and horses, and he had a thousand and four hundred chariots and twelve thousand horsemen whom he bestowed in the cities for chariots and with the kings of Jerusalem. Thus Solomon, buying horses out of Egypt and other commodities from Egypt, he was returning back to Egypt. So when we, we read in, uh, let's turn to 1 Kings. When we go to 1 Kings and we turn to chapter 10, it talks about how Solomon went against the things in the Torah that Moses had given him. Notice what it says in 1 Kings 10, 26. It said, And Solomon gathered unto himself horses and horsemen, and he had a thousand and four hundred chariots, twelve thousand horsemen, whom he bestowed in all the cities for chariots and the kings at Jerusalem. So here we see uh, what Solomon was doing. And it goes on further to say in verse 28, And Solomon had horses brought out of Egypt, and linen and yarn, the king's merchant men, the king's merchants, received the linen yarn at a price. Now see, all of this, Elohim told him, don't multiply horses, and don't go back to Egypt. But what we find is that Solomon 
not only multiplied horses, but he went back down to Egypt. Solomon loved many women, according to the Bible. Okay. Now, when we turn, uh, when we turn to, uh, we already in First uh, Kings. So when we turn to First Kings chapter eleven, First Kings chapter eleven. Okay. Now, when we read in First Kings uh, chapter eleven, it talks about what Moses had already told the kings of Israel not to do. It said that uh, Solomon loved many strange women together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, and Hittites of the nations concerning which Yah said unto the children of Israel, you shall not go in to them, neither shall they come in unto you. For surely they will turn away your heart after their Elohim. Solomon clave unto these in love, and he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. So when we read in the, uh, 1 Kings 11, 1 and 3, it showed that when he violated what Elohim said, he eventually had the results of turning his heart away from Elohim. Moreover, the weight of gold that came to Solomon in one year was 600, three score, and six talents of gold. Now all and all King Solomon's drinking vessels were of gold, and all the vessels of the house of the forest in Lebanon were of pure, pure gold. None were of silver. It was no nothing according uh, uh, accounted of in the days of Solomon. In other words, everything that Solomon had was of gold. He had multiplied gold, and Elohim told him that he shouldn't do that. Solomon had a navy of Tarshish with the navy of Hiram, and once in three years came the navy of Tarshish bringing gold and silver and ivory and apes and peacocks. And we read about that in 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 14, verses 21 through 22. Now, apparently, Solomon repented and came back to Yah's will before he died. And he left to us in the book of Ecclesiastes, these words. Now let's turn to Ecclesiastes, and in Ecclesiastes, uh, we want to turn to the twelfth chapter, Ecclesiastes chapter twelve, and verse thirteen. Now these are the words that Solomon left before he died, so we can assume that even though he made a breach in the covenant that he had with Elohim, that he eventually came back. And the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 13, let us hear the conclusion of the matter. Fear Elohim and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. So he recognized that he had gone contrary to what Elohim had said, and he's telling us the experience that he had, that the best thing that you can do is fear Elohim. And when you fear Elohim, he says, and keep the commandments, 
He said, for this is the whole duty of man. So when Solomon's son, Rehoboam, took over the kingdom of Israel, it would be under his reign that the Davidic kingdom of Israel would be divided into two tribes in the southern part of the kingdom and ten tribes in the northern part of the kingdom. The southern kingdom be called Judah, being made up of Judah and Benjamin, and the northern kingdom would be made up of the other ten tribes. Now, what we want to do is turn to First uh, Kings chapter 11. So under First uh, Kings chapter 11, and so what we find is that King Solomon made some breaches in the covenant, but he returned to Elohim, and after he passed away, his son, uh, Rehoboam, came, came to the throne. And what we want to see is how he reacted to Elohim's covenant. Okay, so in the 11th chapter, we want to look at verses 30 uh, through uh, 32. Okay. Now here in verse 30 of the 11th chapter of First Kings, it says, it said, And Ahijah caught the new garment that was on him. He's talking about Jeroboam. And he rent it in 12 pieces. And he said to Jeroboam, Take thee 10 pieces, for thus said Yehoah, the Elohim of Israel, behold, I will rend the kingdom out of the hand of Solomon and will give 10 tribes to thee. So he's saying, Rehoboam, you're going to get 10 tribes, okay? So that would leave Rehoboam two tribes, which he says in verse 32, he says, but he shall have one tribe for my servant David's sake and for Jerusalem's sake the city which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel. So what we see here is that Rehoboam was given two kingdoms, Benjamin and, and uh, Judah. So when Solomon's son Rehoboam took over the kingdom of Israel, it would be under the reign that the Davidic kingdom of Israel would be divided into two tribes in the southern and the northern uh, part of, of, uh, of Israel. So what we are seeing here is that while Solomon was ruling, he had a united kingdom, but after Solomon left, Elohim said he was going to divide the kingdom. And why was he going to divide the kingdom? It was simply because this kings was going astray. They was disobeying what he wanted them to do. So when we look at the northern and the southern kingdom, even today, they are still divided. And Ahijah, the prophet, made known to Jeroboam what will take place. Now, we also were given the reason for uh, the divisions. Uh, and, it, and he states that in verse uh, 33. Notice what it says in verse 33. He states the reason why he divided those kingdoms. In verse 33, of the 11th chapter of 1st Kings says, because that they have forsaken me and have worshipped Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Zidonians, 
Shemush, the god of the Moabites, and Malcolm, the god of the children of Ammon, and have not walked in my ways to do that which is right in mine eyes and to keep my statutes and my judgments as did David his fathers. So this is why he divided Israel because they would not do what he said do in his statutes and his judgments, but they walked after the gods of the nations. And so he said, I'm going to divide your kingdom. Now, Israel kings, for the most part, were disobedient to the will of Yah found in the Torah. Occasionally, there would be a king like Josiah who was prophesied to come and he would adhere to Yah's Torah as spelled out in his covenant. Now, in 1 Kings chapter 13, I want to read verses 1 and 2. 1 Kings 13 verses 1 and 2 says this. And behold, there came a man out of Elohim, out of Judah, by the name, by the word of Yahuwah, unto Bethel. And Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. And he cried against the altar in the word of Yahuwah and said, O altar, thus said Yahuwah, behold, a child shall be born unto the house of David, Josiah by name, and upon thee shall he offer the priests of the high places that burn incense upon thee, and men's bones shall be burnt upon thee. Okay, so he was given a uh, he was given Jeroboam, who would be over the uh, over the nation of Israel. He was given a prophecy that says, out of the house of David, a uh, king would be born by the name of Josiah. And when you read on through the kings, you will find out that years later, this prophecy came to pass that Josiah was born, and as a result. He was one of the good kings of Israel, even though he made some blunders himself. But he was one of the kings that was prophesied. But for the most part, most of the kings, they went astray. So occasionally, you would get a king like Josiah or Asa, and but we find that Josiah was prophesied. So through the period of the kings, Yah raised up his prophets to speak to the leaders and the people of their kingdoms. And as they spoke to these kings, some of them amended their ways, but we found out that they went back to doing the same things. So when we look at the kings of Israel and how Elohim was trying to get them to be in line with his Torah, they often rebel. They did not amend their ways. No sooner did the prophets correct them and align them with the will of Elohim, they apostatized again and again and again. 
So what we're seeing is through the age of the kings so far, and if we would continue on with the kings, we'll find that there's very few kings that follow in the way that Elohim would have them to uh, go. And if Israel had continued to do what Elohim wanted them to do, they would no doubt be in kingship today. So we're going to stop here, and then at the next uh, discourse, we'll deal somewhat with the age of the prophets and how the prophets try to get the, the kings as well as the people back to doing the statutes and the laws and the judgments in which was written in the covenant that he was given to Moses through the Torah. So Israel, after Solomon, Israel split into the north and the south. It was mm-hmm. judged. Yeah, they I had was two under the king Rehoboam because it had been prophesied that he was going to split the kingdom up under Solomon, but he allowed it to stay intact. But he said after Solomon, he was going to divide the kingdom, right? So uh, David ruled the southern kingdom, and Jeroboam ruled the northern kingdom? No, 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 no. Uh-huh. Uh, David ruled, he was, his, his total rule was over uh, entire Israel. Oh, he ruled okay. Judah and Israel, but uh, after after real, uh, Solomon uh-huh. uh, came, he ruled, you know, the whole of Israel. But then when Rehoboam came, he ruled the north. He t- he split the kingdom on the Rehoboam, and Rehoboam took Judah and Benjamin and, Rio- and, and Jeroboam. He took uh, Israel. He ruled over Israel. It was divided. Okay, so Israel. So David ruled over the whole, but then after mm-hmm. him, it was split. No, no, it was split. Under, uh, uh, it was split. See, after David came Solomon, it was, and then after Solomon reigned over the whole empire, then Rehoboam, his, the son of Solomon, it was split. And oh, he, okay. He, yeah. Okay. And Rehoboam I, I, took a part, and then Jeroboam took the other. I was thinking of Saul. That's who. Oh, yeah, yeah Saul. Yeah, I was thinking well, of Saul instead of they, Solomon. Okay. Yeah, Saul would have. Solomon. If Saul had been obedient, uh, Yeshua would have probably came through his line. Hmm. But since he was disobedient, the Lord rejected him, and he said, now I'm going to come through the line of David. Okay. So after Solomon's rule, that's when uh, there was the split. Mm-hmm. You know? After Solomon, yeah. Now, what what did it mean that uh, David numbered Israel? Uh, that meant that uh, whenever you number Israel, uh, Elohim told him not to number Israel because when you number Israel, you're letting your enemies know the strength of what you have. Mm, okay. And so he was saying, David, don't number Israel. You know, I got my people everywhere. Don't don't number them. You're not to do that. Mm-hmm. So and, and even Joab told David, now you know Joab was corrupt. He's the one that had got the letter from David and, and had Uriah kill. And even Joab is as ruthless as he was. He told David, he said, David, you shouldn't do this. And David According to the Bible, he prevailed over Joab. And so Joab started numbering Israel. And when they numbered it, uh, and then it said Elohim was hang- angry with David for doing that. And, you know, a curse came upon David for that. You, but the fact is, whenever you number Israel, your enemies know exactly what you got. 
And so when he numbered them, he was letting his enemy know the strength of what he had. Okay. And so also uh, the kings, they were not supposed to have multiple wives. They was just supposed to only have one. Well, the Bible, Bible says they should not multiply wives. Uh, that was in the Torah. That was uh-huh. given by Moses even before they had a king. Uh-huh. And matter of fact, he, 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 he even informed them of the type of king that they should get. See, when you go back to the uh, when you go back to the Torah, the Torah is is making making it clear of the type of king uh, that he he wants in 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 Israel. Mm-hmm. Okay, now if we turn into the book of uh, uh, I think that was that was in the book of Deuteronomy, wasn't it? Let me see. Uh, all right, let's look in Deuteronomy. Okay, now, if you go into the book of Deuteronomy, mm-hmm. uh, and he got a special section for the kings. Now, here in Deuteronomy, what it says, what the you, reason why they had chapter? to choose a, Israel, uh, a king from among their people is because this is what the Torah told them to do. Here in, in, in Deuteronomy chapter 17, you read verse 14, it says, When thou art come, Unto the land which Yahuwah thy Elohim giveth thee, and shalt thou possess it, and shalt dwell therein, and shalt say, I was set a king over me, like as all the nations that are about me. Now remember, this is in Deuteronomy, uh-huh. for, 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 they even had, for they even had a king. And he said, if you get one, he says, like the other nation, he said, thou shalt in any wise set him king over thee, whom Yah, thy Elohim, shall choose. One from among thy brethren shalt thou sit king over thee. So it had to be among his people. You couldn't go and get an outside king like in Egypt or somebody or a person in another another nation. He had to be among his people. He said, thou mayest not set a stranger over thee, which is not thy brother. And then he says in verse 16, but he shall not multiply horses uh, himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt. To the end, he should multiply horses. Okay. And then when you go down into verse 17, neither shall he multiply wives to himself that his heart turn not away, neither shall he greatly multiply to himself silver and gold. So, so basically he's saying, in a way, that uh, you should have a mon- monogamous uh, relationship. You, mm-hmm. y- you shouldn't have many wives. Mm-hmm. So we find that David had a number of wives, and then Sol- Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines, then Rehoboam, he had a number of wives too, so all of them practiced uh, polygamy. But you know, in the end, though, Yas Yah allowed it, but he did tell them that they should just have uh, just one, not multiple. Well, he didn't really say that he said one, but if they had, uh, if they had, just like Jacob, if they had uh, two wives like he had, mm-hmm. and they were of the same. Uh, a, a, a nation like Judah or Israel, mm-hmm. and then he could permit it. Like Jacob, he never said Jacob was wrong by having two wives because he could take care of them. Mm-hmm. But 
the thing that uh, was wrong with, with David was that he was taking, I mean, David and Solomon, they were taking wives outside of Israel. Mm. And, and that, that, that was a problem because even after David had taken Bathsheba, Elohim told him through the prophet Nathan, he said, if, if you had wanted more wives, you know, I would have given you more. Mm-hmm. But see, they, they would have probably no doubt have been in Israel. They mm-hmm. wouldn't have been outside of Israel because the ones he got outside of Israel, eventually they turned his heart after all type of gods. So it, it was more of he, y'all didn't want them to take wives outside of Israel mm-hmm. and uh, that they can have more than one wife if they was part of Israel. But if they was outside, he didn't want that. Right. In other words, if they were in Israel and he got more because, you know, David, he was married to uh, uh uh, Saul's daughter Mitchell, mm-hmm. and then he was married to uh, 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 Abigail. You know the white wife. She, uh, her husband died. Neighbor, he married her. So he had a number number of wives. You know that were in Israel. And if you read about his genealogy, you find out he also had Hittite wives and other wives from other nations too, mm-hmm. which was forbidden. But they were all of the same seed, so it, it was permitted. But what we're looking at is he didn't want them to multiply wives because we see the difficulty that they had mm-hmm. in trying to manage their kingdom and also uh, managing their spiritual life because these women, they were used to dealing with these uh, gods uh, that were of the land and they was idols. They couldn't speak or hear. And even Jacob, when he... Uh, uh, was getting uh, racial. She took one of the idols of her father, cause they were they were worshiping idols. Even they supposed to be worshiping the true Elohim. Mm. So you can imagine if he's marrying people that not even a part of Israel, what they were doing with these gods. You know, it's crazy because that seems to be the narrative today in religion and churches. That I think a lot of people think that they're serving God, but at the same time, they're serving idols unbeknownst to them, I think. Mm-hmm, definitely. You know, because you see a lot of adultery, I would say, in just about every religious facility, um, whether it's a church, synagogue, or mosque, you see some some part, to me, of idol worship there. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what he was trying to uh, get ancient Israel not, not to do. Uh is to have the abom- the abomination of these gods to you know come into the ranks of Israel. Uh-huh. Uh Now in the close to the last days I believe you know something I read I think in one of the prophets that Yahuwah will bring Israel back together as one as a whole. Mhm. You know. And so you know, it's interesting. It was him to divide it, and it's going to be him to bring it back together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, right. Yeah. Well, with that, we will go on to the Let's Talk About It. Up next is Let's Talk About That. So today I want to talk about angels. Uh Angels are still prevalent. We know that Yah has his angels taking record of uh, what we do 
And I just want to know if angels are still do what they did in the times of the biblical days. So if you have your Bibles, if you can turn with me to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2. And it reads, Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. So, Pastor, I want to know today, in today's time, are angels sometimes we should still look at this chapter that we should entertain strangers because they could possibly still be angels that's visiting us to this day? Mm-hmm, definitely, yeah. Uh, I think he's still manifesting himself, you know, through uh, angelical powers on the earth. Mm-hmm. And if you recall that uh, when Yeshua was out there talking to uh, his disciples, I think maybe some of the Pharisees or Sadducees, but the gist of what he was saying was that be, beware how you treat these treat children because mm-hmm. they are angel. Mm-hmm. Always behold the face of my father. In other words, they take back the report how you treat children. Mm-hmm. They are writing it down and they go back to the father and they make known that to him. Yeah. Yeah. We could, could be entertaining uh, angels unaware. Now, now, you remember when uh, Israel came out of Israel, uh, they were strangers. And so Elohim told them, you know, you be careful how you treat strangers, he said, because you yourselves were strangers down in Egypt. Uh, uh, yeah, so, yeah, you've got to be very respectful of, uh, of strangers. This is why when you get up in the morning, you pray. Uh-huh. And uh, as you go out during the day, you don't know who you're going to meet. You know, it might be an angel, but if you're not prayed up, you might just think it, you know, so bomb or something on the street. Uh-huh. You know, you got to be very, very, you got to be careful. But I believe Elohim will lead you uh, in the insight of who you're talking to. Now, on the on the flip side, uh, as as it goes to, we you know, there's evil angels. Now, are evil mm-hmm. angels also considered demons or those two different things? Uh, in, in many ways, uh Evil angels and demons, in some some cases, they they are one and the same. Okay. Uh, in other words, they're just fallen. They're fallen beings who have fallen, and when they have fallen down and come down to this world, they uh, manifest themselves as demons. So, is it possible that uh, these evil angels do they carry out evil tasks themselves, like a murder that? they might do or are they more influence humans to do their will well uh only thing about uh demons uh, they primarily try to get uh humans to do what they want done mm-hmm. if you remember the, that was a time when uh when she was were dealing with some uh, uh swine farmers and as he was dealing with those swine farmers uh what happened was he had cast out some demons out of a demoniac because uh-huh. he was possessed. And then they, they went into this. They asked him, can we go into the swine? Okay. Uh-huh. Now, uh, sometimes when a person is a demon possessed, you know, they can be destroyed. Uh, demons can destroy a person if they allow them demons to get in him. Uh-huh. But generally 
they cannot destroy you. They can get other human beings uh, to to uh, to do what they want done. Now, when a person is demon possessed, that means that the possession within them uh-huh. is troubling is troubling them, which can be which in in Yeshua's case, he cast them out because they they didn't have any more power over the man uh-huh. uh, other than what maybe Yeshua would allow them at that particular time. But he he cast it out mm-hmm. because the Bible says uh, only way you can bind a strong man uh, a house is the first bind a strong man. So Yeshua was was the strong man. He was stronger than and then the evil forces. So he cast him out. Mm-hmm. Okay. But then again, by the same token, uh, angels just cannot walk up to you and take you out. Okay. They have to get another human being now. If you turn to in the book of Luke, in the fourth chapter, and it's also uh, in the fourth chapter of Matthews, but I'm looking at the account in, in, in Luke. If you read in Luke, the fourth chapter, and you look at verse 9, it says, And he brought him, talking about Yeshua, to Jerusalem, and he set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said unto him, If thou be the son of Elohim cast thyself down from thence. Now, isn't it interesting that the Bible says he he brought Yeshua to the pinnacle of the temple. In other words, he put him on the top of the temple. Mm-hmm. And then he told him, if you be the son of Elohim, cast thyself down from hence. Now, if he brought him to the temple and put him up there, don't you think he had the power to throw him off? Mm. I would think if he put him up there, he could have yeah. thrown him off. But he told him when he got up there, <laughs> He said, you, you jump off, uh-huh. okay, which meant that he, he had no power to kill him. Uh-huh. He just had power, you know, to put him up, but he couldn't, he couldn't kill him. And so what does that say? That say in order for him to kill Yeshua, he couldn't do it. And so when he eventually he did get him killed, he uh-huh. worked through the hands of Herod and Pilate and all the evil men to do what he wanted to do. He couldn't do it. He had to work through them to do it. And when they accepted the challenge, they put him to death. Just like with Job, he couldn't touch Job. Uh Only way he could touch Job is that Elohim allowed him to touch Job. And Job never knew that that happened. Only thing Job knew, he was going through the affliction, but Elohim allowed the devil to do that. But at the end of his life, uh, or at the end of his affliction, I might say, Elohim took that affliction off of him and gave him back twice as much as he had, but he did not allow uh, the evil one to take his life because he he was he was over he was over Satan, and so Satan could he was limited, and if Elohim hadn't opened the door, he couldn't have done anything to Job. But Elohim allowed that to let him see that Job was going to serve him regardless of whether he had what he had or not. And so uh, he has to work through human beings in order to uh, destroy or hurt another human being. Okay, so he Satan has to work through others to do just about any of his will, because just like, I guess, when uh, Adam and Eve, he couldn't approach them directly. He had to go through the serpent. 
to get to well, Adam he, and Eve. He, he, uh, he, he could have. He uh-huh. could have approached them directly, but he knew that would be foolish. Because mm. if he had come out directly, they would know. They would have known right off. No, nah, no. Nah, we 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 already been told about you falling from heaven. So no, nah, we we're not gonna do it. Because Elohim had already instructed out of him what to do. So if he had just outright came and said, you know, and, and portrayed him that, they probably wouldn't have. They probably wouldn't have eaten. Because you know, one of Satan's greatest weapons is deception. Uh, that, that that's interesting because if he would approach them directly and it, they would have known but seemed like too uh you know y'all told him don't eat of the tree but yet still when eve approached it she believed the serpent so mm-hmm. i'm like why would she believe the serpent more than if satan was to come directly to them well, I think that I think by him disguising himself as a serpent and and thinking that all of the animals are pure, and okay. probably you know they wouldn't they wouldn't think if they were fresh from the Creator they'd be telling her a falsehood. Yeah, I, w- I would think that they were innocent animals, you know. And a lot of times when we see somebody young and tender, you know, they innocent, we can take advantage of them. Yeah. And uh, I just think that when he dealt through the serpent by disguising himself, I don't think the red flag would go up as quick that as if he had come in person himself. Mm. But I think a lot of times when uh, Satan disguises himself and come in a different way, then uh, we may have a tendency to fall. That was, that was, that was a certain prophet in the Bible uh, that the Lord uh, told him, that I want you to go and give a message. And then once you give that message, I don't want you to eat bread or drink water in that place. I want you to get out of there. Uh Okay. And uh, so the prophet went and gave his message. And then when he gave his message, he was getting ready to go. But they said that was an older prophet that sent and told him, uh, I think he sent his children or somebody to tell this young prophet you know, to come and eat bread and drink water with him. Uh, and uh, and so the young prophet said, no, Elohim told me that once I give him my message, I should get out of here. Uh-huh. And the old prophet said, yeah, he said, he said, he said, that. he said, but I'm a prophet also. And Yah talked to me and told me to tell you to eat bread with me. So the Bible says that the young prophet listened to the words and he went back. And he ate bread and drank water. And then when he left the man's house, a lion met him and killed him uh. because he went against what Yah said, uh. listen to the older prophet. Uh. See, now, if if the devil had himself had come and said, well, you know, I want you to go back and eat bread, he probably would have said no. But by this pro- older prophet that he probably had confidence in that was tell the truth, he said, well, maybe he did tell me to come back. But we have to understand that if Elohim tells us something to do personally, I don't care what anybody else says. You do what he says. Yeah. If he didn't come back and tell you himself that he wanted you to uh, stay there, you should have got out of there. And the Bible said that after he had killed the man, a donkey came and stood by the man along with the lion. 
So when the donkey and the lion were standing together, you had to believe that if the don if the lion didn't attack the donkey, that it was a it was it was the curse that was on him of disobeying the word. So I uh, think Satan understood what it meant to disguise himself through another uh, 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 means that he was mo- be most likely to to uh, get them to fall. True. True. Well, Pastor, can you take us to the throne as we close out this podcast? Okay. Hello, and Father, as we continue to look at the destiny of <clears throat> disobedience, and we can see the kings on your throne, oh, Heavenly Father, how some were faithful, some were disobedient. And we realize, oh, Heavenly Father, that we all make mistakes. But help us not to be like Saul of the kings, O Heavenly Father, that continue to rebel, but be like David, O Heavenly Father, and Solomon, who when they recognize their mistakes, they went back to you and asked for forgiveness. So we still ask for forgiveness, even though this is after the Day of Atonement. No, no, if we spoke a word or said something that was amiss, that was not right, we thought something that was wrong, we did something that was evil, that you would continue to cleanse us. And as we continue to hold close to you and allow your spirit to work within our lives, that we can come up to the things in the Torah that you have taught us, that as we walk in obedience to you, Lord, that we can be able to have the necessary life that you would have us to have. Continue to bless us. Bless those, O Heavenly Father, who have loss of loved ones and who are sick. May the sick be healed, O Heavenly Father, and that may the loss of loved ones, O Heavenly Father, be comforted by your Holy Spirit, and that as they have a loss, that the comforter may draw close to them. And as we continue to grieve our loss, O Heavenly Father, which was around this time last year, that you would continue to heal our hearts. Now, Father, as we go through the rest of the Shabbat, give us a Shabbat blessing that we may be better prepared to go into another week. So continue to bless each person that was on this line, each one, O oh, Heavenly Father, that heard this message and, and will hear this message, that they may be blessed by it. And most of all, O oh, Heavenly Father, they may be drawn closer to you. So we give your name the praise, the honor, and the glory, majesty, dominion, power, and all of the thanks for your precious blessings. Pray this prayer in the name of Yeshua, the Messiah. And for his dear sake, we do pray. Amen. amen. And amen. Amen. Want to remind you, this week, uh, October the 12th, uh, we'll be celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles. Come join us at 1 p.m. and 6 p.m. We look forward to seeing you there. That is our podcast for this week. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to email us at signsofthecovenant at g- gmail.com. O ye seed of Yasharel, his servant, the children of Yaakov, his chosen ones. He is Yahuwah Eloheinu, his judgments are in all the earth. Be ye mindful always of his covenant with the word which he commanded to a thousand generations. Until next week, Shalom.